your Lending Era, the podcast where we dive into the world of residential business and commercial finance, bringing you expert insight, tips and strategies to help you navigate the intricate landscape of lending in Australia. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica, and in today's episode, we are chatting all things mistakes, the creme de la creme of applications gone wrong, unfortunately. Here with me today, we have Dave and Hope. Hey, Jess. Hey, Hi, Dave. Jess. How Hi, are guys. You? How are you? Good. Yeah, really what fun I, one today. I was going to say, like, oh, I'm just a little bit anxious about this. but <laughs> no, I'm a bit personal. Okay, so it's, it's fair to say, guys, we've seen every single um, item on the list that we're going to be discussing today happen within our own office. and generally they come from another broker or another bank and we kind of have to go in there and just do the Band-Aid solution, which ends up being the best solution anywho. Yeah. But what would you say is kind of the number one way these issues start to occur? I think the number one thing is that people are extremely un- underprepared. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. ill-equipped. Yeah. And where the scenario that I have seen the biggest pickles have come from people that have woken up on a Saturday morning mm-hmm. and gone to auction yeah. and bought a property and then gone, oh, I should like just sit on this for three weeks and then I'll go and try and get finance yeah. at literally yeah. the 11th hour. And then, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on us as brokers to try and meet settlement mm-hmm. um, and get things organised when we know nothing about this person or their financial situation yeah. or their borrowing capacity or any of those types of things. But, you know, when you've purchased a property at auction and you've got you're liable for your 10% and we need to complete settlement. Mm. Otherwise it's going to be, you know, that client's going to be in a world of pain. And it's off the, and tread just as carefully with off the plans. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I actually had a lovely young girl come into my office one day for a meeting and she walked in with the contract and her pay slips. And she said, my solicitor has said, I need to set, I need to settle up on Friday. And I was like, oh. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, this this is, you know, this is a two to two month job, right? And yeah. we've got four days. I said, where did you, you know, how how do we get to this point where you were coming in the day, the week of yeah. settlement? She said, Well, when I bought my car, I gave them my pay slips on the Monday and I got my finance approved and I picked it up for before the weekend. Oh, bless her. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, that's the only bit of finance that you've had to do. Yeah, this is slightly different, different, but I can see where you got that that kind idea. of sense and that idea mm. that it's just some finance yeah. and it should all be fine. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, get prepared. Understand yeah. that this is a different type of finance that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and it's going to have a lot of different, you know, moving parts and a lot of different timeframes that you maybe you're not prepared for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as we've discussed in multiple podcasts before, the that what happened in lending previously is now not what happens in lending. Yeah. So if your last loan application got approved in a week, don't assume that that's going to happen. Nah, if yeah. your last loan application got approved on one one pay slip, don't assume that that's going to happen. If your last loan application got approved without having to spoil your bank statements and all that kind of stuff, don't assume that that's going to happen. Yeah. Right? And so, it's ever changing, and we've spoken about that a lot too, is that, you know, the lending landscape is different all the time. Yeah. So just really keep that in mind and don't just, you know, enter into anything where you're financially liable for a lot of money yeah. without getting that advice first. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Now we're going to go through kind of, there's about six items that Dave and Hope are going to talk us through here, but as a very brief caveat at the start, there is generally a way to avoid every single one of these problems occurring. Yeah. Um, 
isn't there? Like yes. th- there is a way around all of these things. Yeah. yeah. And traditionally it is being open and honest and prepared. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, and if you guys listen to like one of the first or second podcasts that we did, my own experience is yeah. to make sure that you have a pre-approval organised and it's valid at the time that you purchase based yeah. off your current financial situation um, being accurate that the lender has said, yes, that's great. If you go and purchase a property to the value of X amount, then we're happy to, as long as the, you know, subject to evaluation and a few other little things, we're happy to offer you that finance. I think that is, if you're looking to enter into the market for the first or 10th time or whenever it is, you need to have a valid pre-approval at the time. So that's kind of the first place that you see things go wrong traditionally is just not having a valid pre-approval. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my mind flashes back to that podcast and the secondary one was an appropriate pre-approval. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, and and I think we discussed in that podcast, if you have, you know, you're a dual public servant family with a 50% deposit, yeah. a, a system generated pre-approval is going to be appropriate. If you are self-employed and you have a company and a trust and self-employed tax returns mm. and you've got, you know, plant equipment in there, a, a system generated pre-approval is not, it's not what you, you need. You need no. a fully yeah. assessed by a human pre-approval that yeah. have looked through your tax returns, have looked through your PL, and they've looked through all of your, you know, uh, finance and equipment statements, and they're giving you a a rock solid pre-approval that is just subject to that security being acceptable by the yeah. bank. And even if your situation's not that complex, I would much prefer a first home buyer with a 5% deposit that hasn't obtained credit before to have more of a solid pre-approval because we really don't know anything about their credit history. Um, and sometimes the system-generated pre-approvals are, sort of skim over a lot yeah. of things. And when there is so much money on the line, we want to make sure that if they do go to auction in the weekend, that they are going to be able to obtain finance. Okay, so... So first biggest mistakes we see is not having a valid or appropriate pre-approval. You can easily overcome that by simply getting some advice and making sure you have an appropriate pre-approval that is currently valid. Yeah. Yeah. And off the back of that, there are some pre-approvals that are valid for three to six months. And, you know, like there's a lot of things that can happen in life in six Mm. months and sometimes, not every time, but sometimes if someone has had something significantly change in that time, they actually don't or they just forget to disclose disclose that to us and that can actually turn your pre-approval belly up once you have purchased something and you come back to us and say, oh, I changed jobs or I'm pregnant or whatever might be the case and we don't and then we've got to sort of figure out how we're going to mitigate that with the lender because they haven't based their pre-approval, you know, that assessment off those things at the time. Yeah, and that segues into the next one that is making changes to your situation during a purchase cycle. Yeah. Yeah, so so try not to make any changes. So, And and when I say changes, I mean taking out new car loans, taking out new credit cards, cards, uh, credit cards. uh, Also... um, Changing jobs. Yes. Turning to be self-employed. Going from a PAYG role to a contract role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Changing jobs in the same organisation whereby you used to have a high base and now you've got a lower base but some form of bonus. Yeah. Right? Because when we get to the stage where we actually need to get the unconditional approval, they may ask for your updated pay slips and if they're not identical to what you had before, we're going to be in a pickle. So. Don't change your circumstances. And if you do need to change circumstances, 
talk to your broker or yeah. talk to your bank yeah. and say, hey, yeah. this is the change that has to happen. Is this going to have an impact? Because some things don't have an impact. Yeah. If you've got, you know, quite a, a, a bit of surplus in your um, servicing calculation that we've looked at and your new car that you ordered 12 months ago has arrived, yeah. it may not impact things at all, yeah. right? But we need to know. Don't don't hope to sweep it yeah. under the carpet yeah. um, because if it comes up at the at the 11th hour, it could pour, it, even if it's not a problem, it could yeah. cause a problem or a delay. So yeah. um, communicate and communicate early on any and yeah. all changes. And just trying to make sure that you're really upfront about yeah imminent debts, like the car yep. that you ordered 12 months yes, ago, um, car leases, things like that. We've had a million people try and conceal pregnancies to us, which mm. I just find so funny um, because, and we've spoken about this in other podcasts, that we see bank statements, we can yep. put the pieces together very quickly. Um, obviously, having a baby can change so much of your financial situation um, that we just really want people to be upfront and honest with us yeah. um, so that we can, you know, just because the lender's probably going to find out themselves even if we yeah. don't tell them and they will factor all those things in. So if we are on the front foot and we can build a plan to make it all work with the lender, they'll be happy with that. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people maybe obtain bad advice yeah. and they get the wrong idea about, you know, maternity leave and having dependents and serviceability and all these different things. But you need to be upfront and honest and have those conversations with your broker so that we make make sure that, you know, once you have purchased a property or, you know, uh, achieve whatever it is you're hoping yeah. to do, that you don't put yourself in a pickle when you are on mat leave. Yep. Okay. So yeah. capping off two and three, which were not making changes or actually where it goes wrong is when you do make changes to your financial circumstances and you're potentially not disclosing other things in your life. Yeah. And again, the workaround for that is, like David said, communicate, be transparent. Yeah. Um, if you don't tell us, sadly, we probably will find well, out. No. And then it's an awkward phone call and everyone feels weird. <laughs> so just be open and honest. You know, we're all in the room trying to get the same outcome for yeah, you at the end of the right. day. We're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, and then the next one that I would roll into is probably directorships and being... We see this all the time. Yeah. And being affiliated with family businesses and also uh, ABNs. Yeah. Um, being used or, or not used, you know, side hustles that have liabilities. You love these, bringing up the side hustle the thing. The side hustle that has <laughs> liabilities is, is a killer. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so, yeah, so I, I think it's that disclosure piece, mm. um, you know, having a look at you know, what entities you're listed as a director on and disclosing all of those, yep. any ABNs that you have, disclosing all of those um, because they, they're things that most people have forgotten all about. Um, but even if it's as simple as, oh, yeah, look, I, I do have a side hustle, I do have an ABN, I haven't even used it and we've got to go and get an accountant's letter yep. and the accountant's letter takes a week to get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that causes a delay. So, yeah. um, and a week can be really stressful when they've already called settlement on your off-the-plan apartment, <laughs> yeah. um, you True. know, and you're looking at penalties at yeah. 11% calculated on a daily basis or whatever. So, mm. yeah, so disclose all these things and disclose them early because they they can really cause some significant delays that cause cost. Yeah. And it comes back to that piece whereby if you do not disclose something to a bank, traditionally they err on the side of caution and say you're trying to hide something. Yeah. Not and that this was an honest mistake. Yeah, and I think that 
just going back the, to the directorship thing, I think people do conceal that because they don't realise that it's as simple as just obtaining mm-hmm. an accountant's letter to say that yeah. it's trading profit, uh, profitably and meeting all its current um, liabilities or commitments, and that's yeah. literally all the bank wants to see. In, in some cases, yeah. I yeah. mean, if you're a 50% director and owner of a fruit and veggie stand, they probably want a bit more. <laughs> yeah, but probably. You know, but if it's just a sole trader ABN yeah. or an old company that stopped trading in 2018, yeah. well, for the it's side an easy hustle fix. thing. Like, you know, yeah. normally we don't have to obtain too no, much. it's just common sense there. Yeah, so it's better to be upfront and honest about it, you know, so that we know because the bank's going to see it on your credit file. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another one where the, <laughs> the resolve is simply being upfront I'm about honest. it yeah. and knowing what you have going on. Like, it's as simple as just looking at your own kind of credit file. It'll tell you what your directorships are right there and then. Yeah, yeah. and it's so easy to obtain your credit file and so many yeah. people don't realise that either. No. Okay, swinging on into the next one. (laughs) Um, So, you know, as far as trying to obtain finance, you need to have all your ducks in a row. Yes. And if you are serious about doing that, living, you know, uh, very frivolously Mm. is probably not the best idea when you're trying to show the lender that you're a responsible borrower, that you are managing your money well when you're about to obtain a lot more debt. Yeah, the biggest debt potentially of your life. Yeah, so we probably need to cut back on unnecessary spending. I don't think we need to be going out and, you know, spending a lot of money on um, restaurants and entertainment and different things. I would sort of wind that back for three months before we wanted to move forward and put in any kind of application because high living expenses cut into your serviceability, your uh, borrowing capacity significantly. Yeah, and I think it goes as well to speak to your character whereby you're not going to just stop spending money when you buy the house. You don't want to put yourself in a financial pickle either. No, you don't. You want to be responsible with your money and, you know, make sure that you are, you know, you're the best at this, Jess. I've never (laughs) seen anyone do this. Um, But you manage your money effectively, set your meal plans, like, you know, make some meals at home, make your lunches, things like that. And it doesn't have to be, like, no one's telling you that you can never go out and have a cocktail at Tipsy Bull ever again. Although (laughs) you can't. But, you know, that's not what we're saying it's just simply being organized being a bit of an adult about the situation but I would much rather a client rip that band-aid early yes then you know live very luxuriously leading up to a purchase and then be like oh we've got to make a mortgage commitment this month and we can't afford to do all these things it's it's hard to wind that back and quite often I've explained to a client when we sit there in the boardroom and we go through a debt servicing calculator and put in the living expenses and they both look at each other and go yeah but we won't do that once we've got the new home loan and I'm like yeah but that's not how a bank sees it no a bank sees that whatever you have spent is what you are going to spend in the future. Yes. So they're going to they're going to need under their responsible lending to put that in the calculation. Yeah. So, yeah. And I can't write, you know, we can't have a letter from mum and dad to say, <laughs> oh, you know, they're, they're good kids and they're going to be responsible They've once they get this They've been spending money home. pretty recklessly, um, but not yeah. now. The yeah. bank doesn't care. The responsible yeah. lending is whatever your living expenses are, that goes in the servicing calculator, that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Beautiful. And the final one that I think this is definitely where we traditionally get clients come to us with this problem already happening and no one else has been able to help them. And yeah. sometimes this just kind of comes out of the woodwork at a, at application time, yeah. um, you know, and what's, what we're talking about is uh, a default jumping on a credit file or a previous bankruptcy. Um, and 
quite often because they stay on the credit file for seven years, um, it may be, you know, two or three years since a client's gone for a loan of any description um, and maybe the default jumped on, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's not until we click the submit button or do a, a credit file prior to submission that this comes to light. Yeah. Um, or they've clicked the submit button with a different broker or a different bank and it's come to light yeah. and now they're in a mad scramble and, and then that's why they've come to us. There's nothing more soul-destroying as a broker than lodging an application and getting that instant a decline. Yeah, it's within 30 minutes. Like yeah. they do a quick credit file search and they can see it. Yeah. And it's just a no straight away, unless you mitigate it. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we can get it overturned yeah. for different reasons um, and dependent on the loan to value ratio. But we would much prefer to yeah. know about these things before clicking submit. Because and there's still options, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's non-conforming lenders that have a lot of, um, you know, favourable policy around people with um not so much bankruptcies, but defaults and things yeah. like that. They understand that um, things happen and, you know, they want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And most times, though, you will need that default paid. Yeah. Like it can't be outstanding. No. Um, you would still need to have that cleared up. And obviously your interest rate and fees will be higher at those lenders. Yeah, to allow for that. Yeah. But, I mean, even if that gets you a foot on the door, then we can refinance you a couple of years later to a mainstream lender when that yep. default has gone and then happy days from there. You're mm -hmm. back on track. And lending in the bankruptcy space, we've I've seen it a few times, but it's not very regular. I think that is because generally people understand when they've been bankrupt, it's just not an option for a while. Yeah. But what would your general advice be to someone who, for example, went bankrupt in January of 2020? Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's, it's usually about knowing when the, the bankruptcy is going to be discharged, yep. right, and getting the background story behind that. Correct. And then taking that to an appropriate lender that will lend to that person with all the disclosure and all of the backstory. Yep. Um, and, and that they accept that that borrower has, you know, seen hard times um, and they know that they are a temporary lender. Yes. So they yeah. know that they are lending for a period of time until that, that person can move on to a mainstream lender. So yeah. in any instances where we have done this in the past, um, there's some conversations about, you know, rate, fees, charges. Is this even applicable um, or is this is this a good idea for that yeah. applicant? If it turns out that it is, yeah. then we move forward with it. Yeah. But yeah, there's a whole advice piece whether it is in their best interest to pursue yes. a purchase and to borrow money yeah. in that set of financial circumstances. Yeah. If it's like you're about to lose the family home and we're doing something, maybe there's some best interest duty in your favour. Yeah. But if it's purchasing a property at 9 or 10% with how many thousands of dollars worth of fees, yeah. it is just cheaper to rent, unfortunately, and continue to better yourself financially. Yeah. And I think I'm probably the broker at Trilogy that's played around in that non-conforming space yes. the most. Yes, you are our low-doc person. <laughs> yes, um, and, you know, there are times where... I have seen situations where people genuinely are just terrible at managing money and yeah. them, you know, obtaining all of this debt and, and buying a property is probably not the best option for them no. until they sort themselves out a bit. But then on the flip side of that, I've seen people that we have helped and they've been yeah. the most fulfilling loans that I've done. And they've simply just hit a hiccup. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. a small blip. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I think that's kind of it. They're definitely the most common kind of issues that we occur. And again, all of them can be overcome just by being transparent and yep. organised. Yeah. There's no judgment from any broker. And if a broker is judging your life choices, they're not the broker for yeah, you. Yeah, no. find a new broker. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You should be able to be working with a professional that you can say all of these things to. Yeah. Um, judgment free. Because, heck, we're not in a role to judge you. We're helping you, you know. Absolutely. And like I said earlier, we've all got a common goal. It's a team thing. Yeah. We're trying to work towards it. And honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening this week as we harped on. We're a bit negative today. <laughs> but the positive is we can work around pretty much any anything, and that is for new clients, existing clients. We've done it time and time again. So I would like to say getting advice early uh, is certainly the key takeaway here. If you do need any advice, Trilogy Funding is where you can find all three of us. David and Hope always love a chat, particularly Dave. He loves loves a <laughs> chat in the window with the arm up. You know, you can visualise that. Hope's definitely someone who will happily talk at the desk and then we all eavesdrop, which is good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, get in touch with us today. Trilogy Funding in Deakin, uh, which is in Canberra for all of our non-Canberran listeners. Yeah. But otherwise, thank you for joining us here today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Jess. Thanks, guys. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.